This is Deepa from DeepaBarrow.com and you're listening to the Deep Beauty Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. So I'm really excited. We are bringing back the inspirational interview series. I know it's been a minute, but I really, really enjoyed it. When I started the Deep Beauty Podcast, I kind of missed being with somebody in person because it's kind of different when you're talking to somebody over Skype. So I thought that I would kick it off again with renowned lifestyle, wellness, health guru, <laughs> Sonia Joss right here. Hello. So Sonia Joss is dubbed as, I just want to say this properly, you're the leading voice, <laughs> leading voice in health and wellness in Canada. Yeah. I that guess that's so like in my formal title apparently. That's yeah. amazing. I'm like so, I'm like so proud because it's nice that a South Asian woman has that title. You know what? It's interesting. I get, I get that feedback a lot. Um, actually in particular, as it related to, um, the magazine cover that the came out January. The and not because cover. I'm trying to say anything about the magazine cover, Beautiful. but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but I got a lot of feedback around, um, me being South Asian and being on a national cover magazine. Um, I guess more so than I was expecting. And it's not to say that I don't recognize that I'm South Asian. Of course I am your classic brown girl. Uh, sorry mom that my hair is not like long and all that I love stuff. The yes, it's but um, I am your classic brown girl, but it's kind of one of those things where you don't really realize um, that it is something so distinct and something so unique, particularly in health and wellness, yes. particularly in fitness. Yeah. You know, I've always just kind of been like, oh, we're, we're all the same. We're all trying to get fit. We're all, you know, doing our thing, whether yeah. it's that we're white or brown or any other color in between. And it's really only kind of clicked when this has happened to be like, it is a bit rare and it is, it is different to see a South Asian person um, kind of representing fitness because well, we don't have we a don't lot, have of, that a in lot our of it. No. no, and to be honest, it's not um, the type of beauty that's typically celebrated. Yes, I know it's, it's true. It's certainly uh, it's certainly rare to have someone be like, "I really like your biceps." <laughs> you know, aunties and uncles aren't really walking around <laughs> being like, "That's the body that we're looking for," or that we really think is like classic beauty. Yeah. Um, but it is something that, yeah, it is it is different, and it's something that I think I've. I've kind of settled into a little bit over the years. Well, I'll be honest with you. Growing up, you know, I grew up in Burlington, Ontario, Canada, which uh, when I was growing up was predominantly Caucasian. Yeah. So when I would walk around and I would see a lot of fit Caucasian girls, I would, and I wouldn't see that in my community yeah. too much. I would think, I thought as a young person, that it just wasn't something that was achievable, achievable right. for us. That it just wasn't our body type. Yeah, that exactly. Their bodies could be that way, but ours couldn't. Exactly. Absolutely. So that's why it's so nice now to see more yeah. South Asian women coming out and really celebrating this fitness lifestyle. It is. It is yeah. really nice. And I have to say, I mean, I think um, back when I started this whole journey, which was, I guess, about five years ago, um, it did feel like I was kind of a bit of a lone ranger, but now there's so many, there's so many beautiful, inspiring South yes. Asian women who are in the fitness community, whether it's nutrition or fitness specific, and they're doing great things. It's nice to yeah. see. Yes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Go team. So, okay. I want to talk about now that you just mentioned you, when you first started, yeah. you had worked in the corporate world before. Oh yes, yes. I um, was actually, as I was saying, a good classic Indian girl. I had done uh, my commerce degree. Um, came out of university uh, with a great job at IBM. Um, I was in a really kind of senior executive position, kind of coming out the gates in a sales and consulting sort of capacity, um, and did that uh, for a couple of years um, before kind of starting this narrative in my head around the fact that 
it felt a little bit disenchanting that this was going to be the extent of your career, my career, um, and that I was going to be on this kind of natural path up the corporate ladder. Um, because I was in a bit of a senior position, there wasn't no natural next step. Um, and so I was, I was kind of at an inflection point quite early on trying to figure out, well, I mean, I have to have more goals than just this. Like, what, what else am I going to be inspired to do? Um, now, had you always been fit your whole life? Like, had you always been into that? No. I mean, yes, I'd always been into it, but no, I hadn't always been fit okay. um, in that I was into it because, like most girls out there, um, I was chronically obsessed with being skinny when I was growing up. Of course. Who right? Is Who yeah. is <laughs> right? I wasn't a particularly large girl. Like I was always kind of a size four or maybe six sort of thing. That's not big at all. It's not big at all. It's definitely not big at all. And so it was one of those things where growing up, you know, I, I was kind of a small to medium, mm -hmm. but was just chronically obsessed with wanting to be like that like that heroin chic sort of the Kate super Moss. skinny, yeah. gaunt, gaunt sort of look. And uh, as you said, I wasn't a big girl, but, uh, you know, through a little bit of body dysmorphia and enough exposure to super skinny images. I also grew up in Richmond Hill where everybody is um, Asian. And so I had like it's pretty tiny, super, super tiny, stick thin friends. Yeah. And so for me, I guess my um, perception around beauty was altered very early on. And so um, I spent most of my youth um, cycling through different variations to get myself to a size zero. So like different diets, extreme sort of Absolutely. things? Absolutely, different diets. I was anorexic for years. Oh I was gosh. bulimic for years. Um, so I, uh, I tried every version of um, you know chronic exercising, um, chronic dieting, fat burners, fat pills, fat burning pills, all those <laughs> sorts of things. Um, uh, all the fad diets and everything in between. I kind of really put my body through the ringer for years. Um, and I was never really able to um, kind of get a handle on it, right? Because right. all of these drastic measures would always kind of lead me back to that same anchor point where my body was like, we're not meant to be a size zero. Um, and you know, chronic deprivation would lead me to then binge eating, and it was kind of that cycle yo-yo yeah. back and forth. Yeah. And it was exhausting. You know, I'd come at it from the food perspective, then I'd come at it from the fitness perspective. I remember when I was in high school, I would um, go to the gym and I would do um, 90 minutes of straight cardio <gasps> with no headphones wow, in my what? ears. I was just like a I robot. I can't even do nine minutes. I can't, I can't even do nine minutes of anything without having headphones in my ears anymore. So it was like a very different phase where I was just kind of coming at it through a lot of different versions of beating my body into submission. Right. Um, and then when we got to, you know, that 23 sort of 23 to 25 year old phase where I was um, in the corporate world, as we said, you know, most of the ticky marks had been achieved, yeah. uh, you know, good job. I had, you know, gotten engaged, was getting married. Um, I had gotten into my MBA and was about to kind of embark on my executive MBA. Um, that being like a milestone for me for whatever reason at that time, it felt like a big deal. And I think because I had kind of crossed off a lot of those markers for myself, mm -hmm. I finally got into a phase where I was like, Maybe it's time to focus on the health and wellness piece, okay. not because I'm desperate to be skinny anymore, but because I'm just 
so sick of doing this to my body again and again and again and never feeling comfortable in my own skin, never feeling like I'm in control of my body, of what I look like. Of, oh, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Right? Of, of just knowing that I'm working with my body, I've got a handle on how I want to feel and how I look is a representation of that as opposed to constantly being at the mercy of okay, we've got fat pants for damage control, you know, yeah. okay, if we're skinny, then we're feeling good. If we're not skinny, then it's like, okay, we're eating enough for a small village because get it in while you can, otherwise you're not going to have food later. Um, it was kind of that constant battle. And I just got to the point, I think, when everything else in my life was seemingly sorted out, yeah. that I was able to actually look inward and be like, let's take that on as the real next piece of growth right and we'll see where we go and so I went through a phase where I was really kind of deliberate about how I was approaching it I went back and I had kind of retaught myself the fundamentals of fitness and nutrition because I had all of the information but you go through so many of these different cycles over the years that you kind of just you kind of forget about the fundamentals at that point yeah. and you kind of forget about coming at it the right way um, and so I really kind of wanted to take a different approach at that phase. That's a great place to be. Yeah, it was. It was kind of nice because it, it kind of felt like I was truly at an inflection point where it was the right time to slow down and as opposed to looking for drastic results in the least amount of time, um, coming at it from a place of less self-hate maybe. Right. Um, I can't even say self-love because we were far from self-love at that point, but less self-hate at that point, which I think is key. Um, and so as I was going through that journey of kind of relearning the fundamentals, um, coming at it from a place of strength versus size, really embracing strength training, abandoning the ideas of excessive cardio, um, focusing on nutrition, um, on um, mindful eating and all that sort of stuff. Right. Everything just sort of came together. Everything you. really started to slowly come together. I mean, it took about six months to a year, but at that end of that kind of phase, I was like, isn't that amazing that for the first time I actually tried to focus on my health and well-being and the aesthetic piece of it came hand in hand. Um, and it felt amazing. It also kind of felt like I had uncovered like this magical secret. Yeah. And you know that it's not a magical secret because it's really just science and common sense. Yeah, that's so true. Right? And it's the thing that everyone says, but you don't believe it until you really see your body do it and cooperate and um, you open yourself up to this different way of thinking and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I have to share this with like everybody I know. Yeah. And I had already constantly kind of been talking about health and wellness with people, not again from a wellness perspective, but from the fact that people would always kind of come to me and be like, well, like, like, how do you look the way you do? And how are you doing what you're doing? And at the time I was going about it in all the wrong ways. Right. Um, but I would share, you know, oh, this is what I'm trying and this is what I'm doing. And so because that narrative was quite common for me, um, I almost felt natural to continue that dialogue, but to be able to transform the dialogue from here are the quick fixes that I've been adopting, right. you know, here are the ways that I'm beating my body down into submission to, oh my God, it turns out I really only have to work out three or four days a week. Uh, I don't know why I've been doing so much cardio for all my life. Yeah. Strength training is really the way to go. Here's how um, the evolution has happened on the nutrition side. Um, and so along with kind of that dialogue, I went and got my personal training 
a nutrition specialist certification oh, nice. at the same time. So you were working and I then you did that on the side. Still working yes. and I had finished my MBA. <laughs> And then side hustle happened in that regard because I was like, you know what? It's one thing to, you know, want to work out and be fit yourself. Yeah. It's another thing to truly want to help other people conquer their version of health and wellness. And just because I had found my own version didn't mean I was going to be a good teacher. Yeah. So I decided to take on um, the certifications just to experiment and see, like, is this something I would even like to do? And not because I was ever thinking of quitting the corporate world to go into personal training and nutrition. I mean, like as a brown girl, I obviously never thought that that was possible. Who quits their legit corporate job to be a personal trainer? Yeah, yeah. That was not it's a thing. The same thing, thing right? I went through when I became a makeup artist. There you like, go. Like, who does, does that? that? Yeah. Like, what is this a joke? Yeah. So at the time, I think I was doing it because I was like, well, if at some point in time I go and have a baby and I make an exit into motherhood and I stay on mat leave, and then I'm like a mother, then maybe then I can start like the personal training thing as a side hustle. See how that goes and if you can grow it to that point. See how it goes, not even thinking about growing it to that point, but maybe then I won't be judged for doing it because I'll be Ah. a mother. And if I'm a mother, well then you can't judge a mother for wanting to like like, love her child and be dedicated to her child. And sure, if I like, happen to do something on the side while I'm just making the best out of being a mother, like I'm not just completely idle either. Yeah. And so in my warped way of thinking, that was my like super sneaky, non-rocking the boat exit from the corporate world into this like entrepreneurial life. I think that makes a lot of sense for a lot of the South Asian women right? that are watching. I mean, we like kind of need a strategy to be able to follow our dreams. Right? And you're just like, I mean, oh, what are people going to say otherwise, right? What are my parents going to say? What is everybody else going to say? And so to combat that, like, what are people going to say narrative, you're constantly thinking about, well, how do I package this so that it's digestible? Exactly. And my version of packaging was, I'm going to have a baby. Yeah. Which turned out to be the worst idea. You don't have a baby because you want to leave the corporate (laughs) world. I soon realized that when I did actually start personal training on the side while I was in the corporate world. Um, after I got my certification done, I took on a couple of clients just to see if I would even like it. Um, and it very quickly became clear, like super clear that I was in my element when I was personal training, when I was working with clients, when I was talking about nutrition, I would start the days super happy. I would feel authentic. I would feel alive. I was starting the days at 4.30 in the morning because I'd have to do, you know, several clients before even starting my corporate day. Um, And then I'd do a full work day and then I'd have clients in the evening again. And it would be like, super happy, enlightened, empowered Sonia, I want to kill myself, corporate world makes me want to die, I feel like a fraud, to, oh my god, this is my calling again, the day is ending, and such a happy note, and so that, I think that back and forth became um, so stark, though, that it became undeniable, Yeah. right, it became such a contrast that even I had to be like, you really have to get over the fear, because I mean, you're not making this up. And yeah. two clients turned into six clients, turned into eight clients, and very soon I was doing two very hardcore full-time jobs, um, and I had built things up monetarily on the side to the point that there was no financial transition at that time because at the time I was the breadwinner and my husband was still in residency, so I couldn't just be like, I don't want to make any money anymore. Yeah. So when I was making the same amount of money doing one versus the other, I was like, 
Well, now you have not, like, now you literally have no... Nothing holding you back. Nothing holding you back other than your own BS. Exactly. And other than your, like, mother's voice in your ears. Yes. Yes. So you're either committed to leading an authentic life where you're putting happiness first and you're willing to take a chance, or you're not. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like, again, us, like, brown folk don't really do this. We don't, like, take a year off after high school to like travel around before going to university yeah. or take a year off after university. Take a year tra- off period. Take a year off never <laughs> in life anything. ever after yeah. you're born. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? People do that. They take a year off to go and explore and yeah. to live. And then they come back and their life is different or it's not different, but they give themselves that time. Yeah. And at this stage of the game, when I'm married and I have a home and I have all the stuff and the MBA and the career, if I'm not willing to take a chance on exploring happiness for myself at this phase, then how can I ever expect things to be organic and authentic for me? And so I made the decision to quit, um, which was somewhat dramatic, but maybe not as dramatic as it could have been. It wasn't like complete Indian soap opera, but it was like 60% there. Yeah. Um, and then quit and uh, took a few months off to kind of get everything in order um, to be able to launch, I guess, Get Fit with Sonia at the time, which is going to be my social media platform, and then continue to kind of do the personal training and nutrition as the kind of hands-on piece and build my social media platform on the side. And now you're here and you have over 250,000 Facebook followers. followers. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, it's growing on Instagram. You're obviously doing something right then to get to where you are right now. I think it's it's been an evolution for sure. Um, It's definitely been uh, a growing experience both for me um, personally and professionally to figure out you know, um, what angle is my niche? What do I really want to focus on? Is it that I want to be a hands-on personal trainer and nutritionist, or do I want to broaden the scope to something else? I mean, I don't do very much personal training, I guess, anymore. Other like than one-on-one clients. Celebrity yeah. clients and things like that, but most of my time now is spent, um, you know, uh, motivational speaking and kind of doing health and wellness workshops and things like that. I'm in the process of writing and publishing my first book, which is That is like, so exciting. The worst journey. Uh, the hire, hire a ghostwriter. Those of you who are, think, are thinking of no. writing a book, it is um, onerous and challenging, but so rewarding. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be in the end uh, for sure. It, yeah. it probably will come together, but in the meantime, you're just like, someone please. Yeah. Uh, it is a lot of work. And then I have a wonderful, wonderful team that um, keeps me busy doing a lot of really fun and interesting activities so I get to keep my hands in a lot of different well yeah I mean it's really nice like that we get to see you on all like the different Toronto morning shows yeah. and stuff like that it's not common that you see a lot of people in our community on now it's starting to be so yeah. it's really exciting I don't know I when I turn on the TV and I see a South Asian woman you know up there representing it's like Yes, good for you. Thank you. you. Know? Yeah, that's really nice to yeah. hear. It is really nice to hear. Um, All right, so we're going to get into the fitness questions, which I'm sure you guys want to know about. So what I want to know is where can someone start when they're just at the very beginning, they're a novice in the gym, they're a novice when it comes to um, eating right. And I really want to specify on the South Asian part because as you know, like we all have samosas in our house every time. At any given moment, there is a samosa or there something is. deep fried there is in our something fridge. Deep fried. It's legit so difficult mm-hmm. sometimes. So where do we start? I think first and foremost, it's imperative um, that 
people get pretty clear on what their goals are. Okay. I think it's really easy to just kind of embark on this random health and wellness journey, not really being specific about what you're trying to accomplish. And I think if you are not specific about what you're trying to accomplish, um, sure, you can spray and pray for a little while, mm -hmm. but you have no real sense of where you're trying to go. And in the beginning, that's okay, but very quickly it becomes not okay because you need to be quite mindful about where you're trying to see the results in order to then be able to evaluate if you're achieving those results. Okay. So are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to build muscle? Are you trying to lose fat? Is it about the scale? Is it about inches? Is it about endurance? Is it about overall fitness capacity? Um, I know it sounds like it should be pretty binary to be like, I mean, whatever, I like just want to be skinny. <laughs> but being skinny actually it involves a lot of different things and you can be skinny fat. Yeah, You can true. be uh, fit and less small uh, and you can be everything in between. And so I think first and foremost, when you embark on this health and wellness journey, it's important and imperative to be clear about what you're actually trying to accomplish. Okay. Second of all, I think once you know what you're trying to accomplish, then you need to figure out how you're going to layer in the different pieces of the equation. So yes, we know that there's nutrition and yes, we know that there's fitness and they come hand in hand. Sleep is also very important. Hydration is going to fall into the picture as well. Supplements, vitamins, all that sort of thing. Yes. But when it, when it comes together, we're really good looking at how much time do you need to be working out mm -hmm. and how clean or how well do you need to be eating? It's important to know how many calories your body needs to actually sustain itself. Okay. And I know that calories have a bad rap these days. Like it's like, oh, and we don't want to be counting calories and it's not about calories as long as you're like fueling your body. True to a degree, but science still matters. Right. And if you don't know how many calories you're supposed to be eating to stay where you are, you also then don't know how many calories you need to be eating to lose weight or to gain weight. Right? That makes a lot so of sense. So if you have no benchmark, then you're constantly shooting in the dark. You're constantly guessing every day on if you think you did well or you think you didn't do well. And I don't know about you guys, but like I'm an emotional train wreck. If I was relying on how I was doing emotionally all the time, I would think I was like a disaster, <laughs> eating way too much all the time or the other way around, but usually it's not that. And so I think it's really important that like to start at that baseline, you get an understanding of where are you starting from and what does your body actually need based on your height, mm -hmm. based on your weight, and based on your current activity level. Now, it's not going to be that precise, but at least you will get a ballpark. Once you get that ballpark, it's important to understand, well, what have you been giving your body up until now? Okay. Let's say, for example, I'm supposed to eat 2,000 calories, okay. right? And I do a week's worth of general food logging. I'm not talking about getting super specific about it, but if you go into my fitness pal and you do a general food log for a week just to get some data. Yeah. And you look at it at the end of the week and you say, oh my God, turns out I'm only eating 1200 calories a day. Which never happens for me. Which never <laughs> happens for half the population yeah. and is only happening for the other half of the population. Mm -hmm. You would be surprised at how many women are stuck eating a thousand to twelve hundred calories a day because they think that's how much you're supposed to eat to lose weight and what ends up happening is if you're eating too little your body your metabolism will slow itself right down wow. to only burn a thousand to twelve hundred calories so that if you're ever eating anything like fifteen hundred calories which is totally normal 
you're in fact gaining weight instead oh, of losing wow. weight. Wow, that's an eye opener. I didn't right? Even think about it that and way. so it's key to figure out what should you be eating, mm -hmm. what are you eating, mm -hmm. and where is that delta? So okay, one really important question. Now this is kind of selfish. This is so, this is for me. Sorry guys, I know you guys will relate. <laughs> I'm sure a million of you out there will understand where I'm coming from with this one. Like we were talking about before. At any given moment, most salvation houses, there's samosas in the house, <laughs> there are fronte being made on a Saturday morning. Totally. How do you, like when you, because this is where I'm at right now, I went through a journey where I lost like 70% of my hair due to alopecia. Oh boy. I started to turn towards anything that I could um, to repair yep. my body. Yep. And diet, nutrition was one of the biggest things that I started to look at. Great. And so I was able to grow all my hair back. And now I'm at this point where it's like, it's difficult. It's amazing, by the way. Thank you. Doesn't look amazing? Thank you. It's amazing. Um, but now I'm at this point where it's like, okay, you know what? I don't want to eat the way that I used to, but it's difficult when I come back home and my family is not sort of in the yeah. same. And there's a lot of people out there that kind of relate where you live with people that don't eat healthy, but you want to be healthy. Totally. So how can we get our families involved? Um, yeah, I think that's a real struggle for a lot of people, and I will say that I am very lucky because I grew up in a very healthy household. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, my parents were, like, eating flax before flax is cool, and what? I was, like, growing up on cod liver oil, even though that that's was, like, not amazing. a thing. Yeah, so I maybe didn't deal with that uh, quite so much growing up, um, especially not in the... Um, aggressive tarkas and <laughs> all of the fried goodness that we tend to see with our families. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, of course, it was still like roti and all that sort of stuff, and it 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 um, can be very challenging. I agree for people to figure out how do you navigate um, Indian food, especially if you're vegetarian. Mm -hmm. um, I think the key again is to figure out, and it goes back to that baseline calorically. Okay. around what your body really can accommodate. Some people actually have a lot of flexibility when it comes to carbs, when it comes to um, how many bronte they can eat because uh, you know they're, they're working out quite a bit, their metabolisms are pretty jacked, and their body is using all of that good carb for fuel right. and to replenish and repair their muscles. Um, it obviously becomes um, harder when you are somewhat sedentary or you're not working out very vigorously because right. your body is not constantly trying to utilize carbs in the right way. Um, but I will say that, I mean, there are ways around it. And, and some of the things that I've found that have worked well for South Asian families is things as basic as starting to use brown rice or quinoa instead of regular white jowl sort of oh, thing, right? So great. Starting to use brown rice and brown basmati rice does not taste as crappy as regular brown rice. <laughs> brown rice tastes kind of like weird <laughs> Uncle Ben's sort of like, ugh. That's a hard thing to eat your, your parents. It is, But brown basmati is actually not bad. Okay. Brown basmati, if done properly, um, can be a pretty seamless substitution, especially if you're eating anything with curry and things like that. Yeah. It can really adopt the flavor and the texture quite nicely. Yeah. So brown basmati, the way to go. Quinoa, also a really, really great way to go, especially for any of the aunties who are also vegetarian who want to be getting in better sources of protein because of bone density as they're aging. Yeah. You throw in bone density and every auntie will be like, oh, I need more. So... <laughs> You know, quinoa is a great way to get that protein in there as well, but it's also a grain, a really great substitution. Um, you know, switching to 
lighter versions of cooking are certainly better. So how can you, you know, use instead of full cream, how can you use Greek yogurt, Greek yogurt, for example, um, instead of, you know, frying your onions, can you allow your onions to maybe just be fragrant and natural in there as opposed to being, you know, really depleting all the nutrition out of your food? Um, you know, the base of all of what we eat is actually pretty good. We pretty, you know, it's pretty healthy. We've got vegetables, we've got legumes, we've got beans, we've got a lot of turmeric, a lot of turmeric. We've got all the spices in there. I think the question is just how do we not cook it and fry it and cook it and fry it to the point that we're essentially eating nutrient depleted food. Right. And so I think it's about how do you make some of those light little substitutions? Uh, yeah, you're probably not going to be able to be eating like tooth or bronte at a time. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a bronte a week. Yeah. It doesn't mean that in your week you can't deliberately decide that you're going to have, I don't want to call them cheat meals, but like treat meals? more treat meal yeah. type things because the average person doesn't need 100% compliance either. The average person can accommodate about 80% compliance, 20% treat meal action. And if you're eating about three meals a day, let's say on average, most people are eating more, but if you're eating about three meals a day on average, that's about four meals a week. That's not bad. Four meals that a is week so is doable. actually pretty doable. It's like, yeah. how much more fun do you need to be having? Yeah. If you're having more fun than that, you're having too much fun <laughs> in your life, right? So four treat meals a week for the most part, again, where we're not eating like enough to feed a village, Yeah. but you know, we're having a bronca or we're indulging a little bit more here, or there's a little bit extra ghee on something, or you did have a samosa. Yeah. You didn't have seven samosa, yeah. but you did have a samosa. That's actually okay for an average person. And if you're accommodating the diet well, and you layer in the workout piece of the equation, which again, doesn't have to be every day, mm-hmm. but if you can get in, you know, three workouts a week, that's actually usually enough for most people to see quite a bit of change. You also need to benchmark it against what are your goals? How fast do you want to accomplish your goals? Yeah. Right? Small changes really add up. Yeah. And I think that's something that I was never able to really grasp throughout my life. A lot of people can't because we all want quick fixes. We want quick fixes and moderation doesn't come easily to a lot of people like me. So I'm either in it to win it or I'm the 600 pound man. There's like very little in between. And so it has taken me a long time and a lot of different iterations to realize that like all or nothing doesn't work. And so it's about small changes, layering in those small changes week over week and refining the system, and yes, maybe you're making substitutions in the beginning, then maybe you're cutting things out a little bit, maybe you're refining it further and further and getting tighter and tighter as you need to accomplish those goals. Right. But as you're accomplishing those goals, you're so excited about accomplishing those goals that it doesn't really feel like a concession, yeah. right? It really doesn't feel like a dramatic trade-off because you, you are seeing the results. There's that positive snowball. But assuming that you're not gonna have the samosa ever, and assuming that you're just gonna like, cut off Indian food altogether, that's not going to happen that's and it shouldn't happen. Yeah. There's no need for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to the rapid fire question round. Here we go, guys. Are you more jeans or dresses? Jeans. Are you more weight training or like high intensity training? Weight training. Your favorite restaurant in Toronto. Oh my God. My God. Here, I think I there's so many. Uh, uh. Gotta pick one. Gotta pick one. Just say you're going right now after this. Lee. Oh, nice choice. Thank you. Um, favorite healthy treat? No bake energy bites. 
I haven't tried those yet. You gotta check out my recipes. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, Favorite dessert when you want to indulge? Carrot cake with cream cheese icing. Made oh, by my husband. So good. So good. Last question. Any advice for people that are watching that want to follow their own passions? Take the time to get to know who you are and what you want. I think oftentimes, especially as South Asians, we get really trapped in this cycle of being who we think we need to be. Right. Um, and developing this rubric of evaluating ourselves based on legacy criteria of our parents and our culture that doesn't apply to who we are in any way anymore. Right. And it can be really hard to differentiate the voices in your head. Mm -hmm. And it can be really hard to figure out which voices are your own and which voices are just the habitual voices that you have developed either as a response to your parents or they're actually your parents. Right. The biggest piece of advice I think I could give is to really take the time to uncover the layers. Okay. To really strip away all of the excess noise that all has been developed over the years. Yeah. All the outside voices and to get to know who you really are, what you really enjoy, yeah. what actually makes you happy. It's important to take the time to do that because only once you know who you really are and what actually makes you happy is the time that you can uncover those passions and uncover the dreams and uncover the real yearnings that you have in there that maybe sound silly mm -hmm. and that maybe seem completely impractical but they exist and they're real. Yeah. Make the scary choices. Yeah. Move towards your fears. Move towards your fears, move towards your goals. You do need to be able to say concretely that something is important enough to you that you are willing to do the scary, challenging things time and time again because it never gets easier. Yeah. But the rewards are infinite, right? You yes. feel incredible when you're living a life by design. I love that. Yeah. That's great advice. So thank you so much again for doing this thank interview you. with me. It was so nice to meet you. I've been literally like blinded by her gorgeous eyelashes <laughs> this entire time. So thank you Lily for lashes. seducing me. <laughs> Lily lashes. So okay, Sonia, where can we find you? I'm active on Instagram daily. So at Sonia Joss is the way to go. Little fitness videos and nutrition tips and all that sort of stuff. I also have a YouTube channel, which is also Sonia Joss, where I share recipes and product reviews, workouts, Weird random clips of my daughter. She's a handful, <laughs> but pretty hilarious. So yeah, I would say. And then of course Facebook, which is kind of just a merging of all worlds. So I'll have all of her links in the description as well as on the blog post for this episode. And thank you again for thank being you on. So much. I really thank appreciate you. it. It was such a pleasure. As usual, guys, don't forget to subscribe to my channel, subscribe to Sonia's channel, and like this video if you liked it. Share it with anybody that needs to watch it who wants to live a deeply beautiful life. Thank you. Hi guys.